Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're we're Identical identical twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And and we're we're identical identical twins. We are so happy to be here. Uh, The last time we preached up here was back in October, and it's always nice to be back. It really does feel like coming home. And when I look out into the sanctuary and see people who have been away, who've traveled, and who've come back, I truly hope that it feels like coming home for you too. So we host a podcast called Him Talk, Talk, Twin Talk, Talk. and we love being able to stand up here and talk about a beautiful hymn, and we especially love today that it gets to be a Christmas Mm -hmm. hymn. This is the third Christmas we have spoken here at FBC Reading. So two years ago, we spoke for the first time, and it was on the hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. We learned that year that bells ring out for good news. In celebration. Like for a wedding. And we are the bells who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Then last year, we talked about the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And how God can use the simple, the lowly, the the little little to do awesome things. And now this year, we are back. And we pray that God will use us once again to share the truth of Christmas. That Jesus is the good news sent to save the world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for sending us your son. The world was dark, the world was without hope, and the world was waiting for a savior. And you gave us your son. Thank you for loving us so much to save us. Please, Father, be with us in this time of worship, and by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, give us the words that will lift you up and exalt you as king over all. And may we leave here renewed and refreshed by the truth of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Sometimes we try to keep the hymn a secret (laughs) so that it's a surprise. So maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. Today's hymn is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. It is an old song. Do you know that it dates back to the 1500s? I mean, who would ever think that a song that is like 500 years old would still be around today? And not only is it around, it is quite popular. Yeah, it has been recorded by so many different artists. Different singers. In so many different styles. I think probably the most well-known version is the Nat King Cole version of I the song. I love that one. I love that one. But I think the most fun version, a little unexpected, is the one by the Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, I thought you were going to say the choir one was the most yeah, fun. Yeah, the choir one was fun. The choir one was like the second most fun. Yeah. So we could keep going. There are so many recording artists who've performed this song, but we thought you just might enjoy seeing some of them. Gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born upon this day. 
to save us all from Satan's power when we have gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. that all those different artists are singing about Jesus Christ, born to save. Amazing, right? So we have an M&M for you. Now, yes. This is a musical nerd moment. M&M's, always fun. This song is in a minor key. Now, songs about Christmas, about Jesus' birth, carols, are full of joy and hope and peace love and love. and light. They should be bright and happy. It's kind of unexpected to hear a Christmas song in a minor key. Most songs are written in a major, major key. key. See, musical nerd moment? Yeah. M&M's, always fun. <laughs> 
Um, but sometimes a minor song, a minor key just fits the song perfectly. And we've heard it before, mm -hmm. like, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. A great old hymn in, in minor. minor. And if you want to learn more about it, we talked about it on episode 11. And then there's... What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Another Christmas song in a minor key. And that was episode 71, if you want to check it out. 11 so, and 71. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen is in a minor key, and like some other hymns from our, con uh, from our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that is really unusual usual, and surprised even us, and I think it's going to surprise all of you, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen it's is not, not in, in our, our church's hymnal. Yeah. So this church probably hasn't sung it in years. Right. Many years. If ever. So all of this makes God Rest You Merry Gentlemen especially interesting. Unique. So we want to take a closer look. And on the podcast, we say that we like to leave no stone unturned when researching our hymns. And that's exactly what we did this week, and the hymn delivered. Mm -hmm. There was so much to talk about, more than we even expected. So let's dig in. Yes. Shall we? God Rest You Merry Gentlemen is an old English carol. Now it's found most often in Anglican and Episcopalian church hymnals and the publishing information that we have it's pretty vague. For the text instead of naming an author it just says traditional, traditional English, English carol 18th, 18th century and instead of naming a composer it just says traditional, traditional English melody. It would definitely be hard to fill an entire podcast episode with just that information, but we found some fun facts. We, lo we love to include fun facts on our podcast. And we even post them to social media every Friday. We call them Fun, fun fact, fact Fridays. So here are two fun facts about God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen is the only Christmas carol included in Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol, written in 1843. Carolers are outside Scrooge's house on Christmas Eve and they sing a verse of the carol. Scrooge, of course, does not want to hear Christmas music. He is a Scrooge, after all. So Dickens writes that Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy of action that the singer fled in terror. So this is the only carol in the book called A, a Christmas, Christmas Carol. Could God rest ye merry gentlemen be the carol that Charles Dickens was talking about? Could be. See? Told you. Fun fact. Now the second fun fact is that even we, though we don't know who wrote the music, there are two tunes associated with it in a publication from the 1800s. And none other than Samuel, Samuel Wesley, Wesley wrote the music. Samuel Wesley was the younger son of Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley. Yeah. Imagine the pressure you must feel. You're, you're his son, and now you're writing hymns, and he's considered the father of Methodist hymnody. Charles wrote over 6,000 hymns. Some of our favorites have appeared on the podcast. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. That was episode 80. Jesus, lover of my soul. That was episode 49. And Christ the Lord is risen today, like the quintessential Easter hymn. That was a milestone episode for us. Episode 25. Yeah. And he wrote over 6,000. So there's still many, many more to highlight. We sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing today. 
That's one of his. And one of our favorites, And Can It Be, also written by Charles. So Wilson. you need to put those requests in because we'll put those on the, on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We love those too. So Samuel tried to fo follow in his father's footsteps. He wrote the music to about 15 hymns. And unfortunately, most of those 15 are long forgotten. And the few that are even still around are only found in like one or two hymnals. And the tune that we sing that we've heard just a bunch of times, it's been adapted so many times over the years. Wesley's original music is really unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. It was combined with the other tune, and so what we have now, no one really can lay claim to it. Yeah. So there are our two fun, fun facts. facts. Um, now let's tell you more about what we learned. So first of all, you should know that hymnologists claim this carol as one of the oldest and most misunderstood Christmas carols. At the time it was written, church music was very somber and serious. This carol, with its fun, peppy tempo and beat, would never have been sung inside a church. It was considered a folk song, sung heartily in homes and at household celebrations at Christmas time. It greatly contrasted the music of the church at the time. It might have even been considered rebellious. And this song may have been quickly forgotten, except Queen Victoria herself loved it, loved Christmas carols, and she forever changed the status of this song. So the next thing we found about the song, we learned that it is actually called a ballad. And I'm sure most of you have heard that word ballad before when describing music. It usually means like a slower song, maybe a romantic song. A song that isn't up-tempo and a song that you wouldn't dance to. But the original definition of the word ballad is that it was a song that told a story. So if we go by that definition, the songs we sang today in worship are considered ballads. They each told the story of Jesus Christ. God rest ye merry gentlemen. The first Noel. And hark the herald angels sing. They all tell the story of Jesus' birth. Mm -hmm. Now we heard the choir sing God rest ye merry just a little bit ago. And the choir sang verses 1 two, and five. It just happened to be the arrangement that we found. But One, two, and five. In the original story, in the original song, the story of Jesus' birth is really told in verses two, three, and four. We love when songs retell the story of Jesus. Or really, when they retell any story in the Bible. Mm -hmm. In that way, the song is sort of like scripture. It's telling a Bible story. And it's telling it in a way that hopefully people will, will be engaged and remember mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So let's sing together, all of us, the story of Jesus' birth. In God rest ye merry gentlemen. It'll be verses 2, 3, and 4. All right, here's verse 2. From God our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Verse 3. Fear not, then said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a Savior of a per-virgin bride to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. 
of a ballad. It tells the story of the angels coming to the shepherds, the shepherds leaving right away to go see the baby. And even in those three verses, there are some real theological truths that can't be overlooked. The hymn writer calls Mary a virgin and Jesus a a savior. This was no ordinary birth. Then we sing that if we put our trust in Jesus, he will free us from Satan's power and might. This song is about more than Jesus' birth. It's about more than the angels and the shepherds and Mary. It's about our salvation. Jesus came to to save us, and so we praise praise him. And this brings us to our sermon text this morning. This is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet, and in his book are prophecies. Listen now to Isaiah 12, verses 1 through 6. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. What an amazing passage of scripture that is, a passage of true praise. But if you've done your homework on Isaiah, you know that he was a prophet who spoke God's word to the people of Israel and Judah, especially to the leaders and rulers who were going against God. He warned them of God's judgment and that their rebellion would come at a cost. Isaiah said to the people in the ninth chapter, so the Lord will cut off from Israel both head and tail, both palm branch and reed in a single day. The elders and dignitaries are the head. The prophets who teach lies are the tail. Those who guide this people mislead them, and those who are guided are led astray. Therefore, the Lord will take no pleasure in the young men, nor will he pity the fatherless and widows, for everyone is ungodly and wicked, and every mouth speaks folly. Isaiah very clearly writes about sin and the judgment we deserve. But Isaiah also writes about hope, faithfulness, and promise. 
In Isaiah 11, he says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Isaiah was writing about the promised Messiah, Jesus. Jesus. Isaiah was writing to make sure the people knew that yes, there was judgment, and yes, God was angry with them, but God was making a way for them. God would be faithful. God would keep his covenant with his people. He, he would, would keep, keep his, his promises. promises. And Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the promises. We know our future. We are saved. We are forgiven. Isaiah foretold it, and we see that assurance in this hymn. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. These words comfort and, and joy, joy were important to our hymn writer. Mm -hmm. In just that refrain, it is repeated over and over again. And in five verses, if you sang the whole hymn, you would sing comfort and joy 15 times. And in our passage, Isaiah talks about comfort and joy. In verse 2, he writes, Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and, and you, you have, have comforted, comforted me. me. Although God was angry... Your anger turned away, and God comforted me. This is a very specific kind of comfort. It's not comfort for merely anyone who is just sad. It's comfort for someone who God was angry at. So the Hebrew word for comfort is nechama. The word is actually two overlapping words. First is noach, which is translated to be comfortable and resting. And then there's chama, which means warm. This Hebrew word is an offer of rest and easement to, to a, a troubled, troubled, suffering soul. In the Bible, this word has much more weight than our word comfort. It's more than just simply to console someone. Consoling is just the calm endurance of affliction. But, but this, this word, word comfort, comfort it is, is a, a gift of, of divine grace. More than what you or I can offer. This is something that only comes from God. And who needs this divine comfort? Well, you might think that people who are sad Pe need it. People who are hurting. People who are lonely. But Jesus talks about people who need comfort in the Beatitudes. He, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 4, the word Jesus uses for mourning implies much more. It is a verb which is a present active participle. So this implies repeated action or an ongoing condition. For us, since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, our ongoing condition is sin. How's that for a Christmas sermon? Merry Christmas! You are, you are both sinner. sin. You are sin. God, God is angry at you. You are sinful. Mm -hmm. Yes. But 
That's not the whole story. The rest of the story is that Jesus has come to give us his, his divine, divine comfort, comfort that, that no one on earth can give to us. It is comfort on a soul level. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. So besides this gift of divine comfort, this nechama, what else does God promise? Joy. joy. Again, the prophet Isaiah writes, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And then again, shout aloud and, and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And much like comfort, mm -hmm. this joy is on a soul level. It's more than the passing feelings of happiness that this world provides. The Hebrew word for joy is simcha, and it is one of the most prevalent words in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Together with its synonym, sasson, it appears in scriptures over, over 400, 400 times. And both words together form a beautiful expression that is still said today at Jewish weddings. The first time this word is for joy is mentioned in the New Testament is at the birth of Jesus. Matthew 2.10. When they saw the star, they, they rejoiced, rejoiced with, with exceedingly great joy. Now this word joy, much like the word comfort, is a disposition of the heart. And in the Bible, it is usually associated with the people of God who are celebrating God's blessings at any number of occasions. In Deuteronomy, Moses exhorts the Israelites to serve God with, with joy so that they would not lose their blessing. And again, let's look to Jesus' words in the Beatitudes for a better understanding of the word joy. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and, and be glad, glad, for your reward in heaven is great. In verse 12 there, we see the word, the Hebrew word, translated as rejoice. This passage very clearly shows that while we may not be happy, we may be going through hard times we may be persecuted or insulted, we can still rejoice. The joy that God will give us is not based on happiness. It is based on rejoicing. So anybody who is looking for feelings of joy this Christmas in presents, decorations, and parties, you will not find the joy that Isaiah is talking about. The comfort and joy we sing about in this carol is, is only from, from God. God. It's it, from the birth of Jesus. It's knowing the truth of who Jesus is. That even though we sin, even though we deserve God's anger, and God's judgment, even though we may be insulted and persecuted, we, we can, can rejoice. rejoice. We are promised comfort and joy. And even though we don't know who the hymn writer is, we know that he, or she, knew who Jesus was and knew what Jesus' birth brings. Listen to that first line again. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. So let's just think about those words for a minute. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. 
When we started researching the hymn, we thought we had a pretty good idea of what this line meant. And this line is one of the reasons why this carol is called the most misunderstood. And it's all about the comma. God rest ye, Mary, comma, Mary gentlemen. gentlemen. See the comma after the ye? So could it be that we were asking God to make the merry gentlemen calm? To give them peace? God rest ye, comma, merry gentlemen. But we soon learned in our research that the earliest manuscripts that have been found did not include any punctuation. So without a comma, it's even harder to know what it means. God, God rest, rest ye, ye merry, merry gentlemen. gentlemen. Then later editions of the hymn added a comma after the word merry. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Now does that sentence make sense? God rest ye merry, comma, gentlemen. We had to do some research to figure this out. Mm -hmm. what, this, what is this line saying? Because with the comma after Mary, it made it a little more confusing. So first we looked at the word rest. rest. So rest in old English times didn't necessarily mean to lie down or nap. You were tired, you needed a break. The word rest is best defined as keep. In fact, our phrase rest assured comes from that definition of keep. Keep assured. Keep this assurance. And now the sentence reads, God, God keep, keep you, Mary, gentlemen. gentlemen. So that makes sense. Does it? I mean, we say Merry Christmas all the time, right? Merry equals happy. Merry Christmas. God keep you, Mary, gentlemen. Well, this was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So in the 1500s, the meanings of words, they've changed so much of since course. then. So in England, they don't even really say Merry Christmas. Right. What do they say in England? Do you know? They say happy Christmas. Christmas. Happy and merry were not the same. So even when you think of like Robin Hood and his merry men, I mean, they weren't frolicsome and, and happy. Right. Merry meant brave. Merry meant mighty. Merry meant strong. So let's look at the opening line again. God, God keep ye mighty gentlemen. So doesn't that make a little more sense? So let's finish it. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. God, keep you mighty, gentlemen. Let nothing bother you or upset you. Remember, Christ, our Savior, was, was born, born on, on Christmas Day. Day. And why was he born? To save us all from Satan's power. When we were lost, when we were away from God, when we were astray. What a powerful verse of music. Jesus was born to save us all from Satan's power. This is a true statement. It's the gospel truth. But you would be hard-pressed to find a hymn that mentions Satan by name. There are no Christmas carols that do this. God, <laughs> rest ye merry gentlemen, is the only one, and it mentions him twice. In verse 1, we just sang... To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. And in verse 2, we sing, To free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. Twice. In God rest ye merry gentlemen. 
twice. Now, just because Satan isn't explicitly named in other hymns, you know, all too often, it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean he's, he isn't real or that he isn't a real threat. We know that our number one enemy is Satan. He is a liar and the father of lies. He is your enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before our God day and night. Satan has power. We see it over and over again. He has power to tempt, power to trick. He is the great deceiver after all. And what does he do? He, he plants, plants seeds of, of doubt. doubt. He makes us question sin. Am I really that bad? You're not bad. You didn't murder anyone. You're great. Are you, am I really a sinner? He makes us question the Bible. How can such an old book mean anything today? I mean, wasn't it just written by a bunch of old guys? And how can you really know it's true? He makes us question God. Is there even a God? If God were real, why would these bad things happen? And we saw Satan do this in the Garden of Eden. Satan made Eve question God. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? See what he did there? He planted the seed of doubt. He wants us to question God, just like Eve did. He wants us to question our faith. He wants us to question if what we believe is true or not. And ultimately, he wants us to turn away from God. And the hymn writer tells us that we are to keep strong. Keep mighty. Be rest assured. And let nothing dismay us. We are to remember that our Savior was born to save us from Satan's power. We have a Savior who loves us and who will save us from evil and from the evil one. But more than that, he has promised us comfort and joy. There's that refrain we all know and love. Sing it once more with us. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. So this brings us to the final verse of the hymn, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. After we remember that Christ was born to save, and that he has promised us his forgiveness, and his comfort and joy, this is what the hymn writer says. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood each other now embrace. This holy tide of Christmas all others doth deface. Another great verse of praise. The hymn writer tells us the story of Jesus' birth and then tells us to sing his praises. Let's look back at Isaiah. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and, and sing, sing for joy, joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. We are to sing praises, shout, and sing for joy. When we know the truth of Jesus, when we can rest assured that he has saved us, 
we offer our praises to him. We offer our praises here in church every Sunday with our voices. We sing songs to him, but we can also offer our praises to him with the lives that we lead. We praise him by serving him. We praise him by serving others. We praise him by telling others about him. Even when others try to deface Christmas, we are steadfast. We say with all assurance, Christ is born this day to save us all when we're astray. To save us all. To save you. To save me. All of humanity. That's how much God loves us. Isaiah wrote, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. The Lord has become our salvation. We can trust and not be afraid. The hymn writer said, let nothing you dismay. Every worry or fear you have in this world diminishes because of Christmas, because we are promised life. We are promised forgiveness. We are promised comfort. And we are promised joy. All because of the birth of Jesus Christ. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior yet, maybe today is the day to take that step. The Bible is clear. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can just say the words. Talk to God. Dear God, admit that you're a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. Ask him to forgive you. I ask for your forgiveness. Say what you believe. I believe you came to earth to save. You died for my sins and you rose from the dead. And then just promise to live for him. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And when you've done that, you can have the full assurance that you are free. You are forgiven. You are saved. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for sending your son to save us. Thank you for giving us your comfort and joy. And help us to look to you in our time of need. Help us to live for you and help us to proclaim your deeds among the peoples. Use us to build your kingdom and to spread your love. May we leave this place with comfort and joy, knowing that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our final song this morning. Good Christian friends, rejoice. Good Christian friends, rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Let's sing together. Good Christian.